Hello and welcome to Blue Rotti, a Londoners Blue podcast dedicated to the Chelsea women's team. I am your host, Jessica Humphreys, joined today by Abdullah Abdullah and Ollie Glanville. Um, I feel like we should start this podcast with the intro to the Streets classic, Dry Your Eyes, Mate, which I'm aware is quite a British-centric reference. I can see Ollie laughing and Abdullah looking blankly at me, which is about what I would expect. Uh, if you've not listened to that song, go listen to it because... That's where I'm at personally. Um, for anyone who has been living under a rock today over the past couple of days, um, whenever you're listening to this, uh, Chelsea went to Aston Villa and won 6-0. And then Chelsea announced that Emma Hayes is going to be leaving at the end of the season. And I feel like everyone's sort of a bit flawed by this. Um, we've had about three and a half hours to take it in. All the Chelsea players are posting as if it hasn't happened. And I do kind of think maybe we should just ignore them and also pretend it hasn't happened. But no, we are we are here and we will we will talk about it. Um I guess maybe, guys, we should start. Abdullah, where were you when you found out? I was actually playing a game of Dune. If anybody knows the board game Dune from the movie series, I was literally playing Dune. I got a notification. I told these I told my friends to stop to wait i have more pressing matters to attend to started reading the news and i was turning around to them going this is this is a problem i have a problem and they're looking at me blankly but you know what that's what i was doing i was kind of shocked i still am shocked i don't know how long it'll take the process because i'm worried but i guess this time was gonna come at some point just i didn't want it to be now and i don't get why it's now but it is what it is i don't know what else to say i'm just i'm just in denial so it's fine yeah, Ollie, I think that feeling from Abdullah of like it's surprise and not surprise is a really weird one to straddle because I unfortunately manifested this. I must apologize for that. Uh Hayes is someone who I thought for anyone who doesn't know, it sounds like she's gonna take the, the US women's national team job. It for me, she was the obvious candidate for that role. I was literally talking to people about it in like August. Um, but they kind of came out with this list of the three managers, none of whom were Emma Hayes. And then, so I was like, oh, whatever. And and also I think even Ollie, if everyone knew that Emma Hayes wouldn't be Chelsea manager forever, for it to sort of come out like straight after this win over Villa, you know, not even halfway through the season, barely into the start of the season. I think that timing has just sort of thrown everyone for a loop. Yeah, hundred percent. Going to go on record to, um, blame Brandon Busby for uh, manifesting this. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, we we were discussing this after the first game of the season, right? We were talking in terms, like, in the pub afterwards, thinking about, you know, how great it is that we're starting games like this in terms of winning our first game of the season, how weird that kind of felt, and thinking about, like, where we where we would be without Emma, right? And it is, it's one of those things where we knew she wasn't going to be here forever. It was about how many challenges she has left domestically. And we know the one she has left in terms of Europe. And, she, you know, damn well sure that she's going to double down on that this year. But, yeah, it's it's a really tough one. I imagine it's probably to do with work-life balance and family stuff and thinking about, you know, taking care of her son and being there for him as he's growing up. So it's kind of... It's a really tough one, right? Um, again, the timing is so strange. <laughs> Where I was was sitting on the sofa thinking about what we were going to talk about, um, you know, tonight in terms of 
<laughs> brilliant talking points because he had so much to talk about. And then out of the blue, you, you know, I'm I'm showing this uh, this tweet that I'm thinking, surely that's like a, you know, it's one of those joke tweets from like, I don't know, an Arsenal fan account, right? And then no, it's it's got a blue tick. It's got a and gold tick on the <laughs> Chelsea FC. So yeah, just a, a really strange one. Kind of feels like a gut punch, but equally, yeah, I'm sure we'll get to it. I am now Casey Stoney all in. All right. Um, yeah, I know what you mean about the kind of thing of it not feeling real. For for a start, I texted one group chat saying Emma Hayes is leaving, and my friend thought I'd said that like Emma Hayes was leaving the like the Poundland Bescott Stadium. Like I'd seen her leave, and my friend was like, "Yeah, obviously." I was like, no, that's not not what I mean. Um, and I think the other thing that made me laugh is obviously, um, which I, maybe we'll talk about a little bit uh, later on, but is that Melanie Leupoltz wasn't part of this squad and is sort of absent with this unexplained injury, which has led some people to speculate that the last time, obviously, Melanie Leupoltz had an unexplained injury, she did turn out to be pregnant. And one Twitter account had RT'd that original announcement onto the timeline yesterday to do that kind of trick thing that you're talking about, Ollie. And there was that real moment where I was like, I can't believe I'm reading this. Uh, but I will read what Chelsea wrote as well, just for anyone who hasn't read it themselves. Chelsea FC can today confirm that highly decorated Chelsea women's manager Emma Hayes, OBE, will depart the club at the end of the season to pursue a new opportunity outside of the WSL and club football. Emma joined the reigning double winners in 2012 and during her tenure with the club won six FAWSL titles, five Women's FA Cups, two FA Women's League Cups, one FA Women's Spring Series Trophy and one FA Women's Community Shield. Emma guided the team to an historic double on two occasions and she'd won domestic treble. She has been named FAWSL Manager of the Season on six occasions, LMA WSL Manager of the Season five times and she was inducted into the WSL Hall of Fame in 2021. Co-sporting directors Lawrence Stewart and Paul Wynn Stanley said, Emma has been one of the biggest drivers of change in women's football. Her achievements at Chelsea are unrivaled and will live in the club's history forever. Given everything she has contributed to Chelsea in over a decade with the club and the legacy she leaves behind, we would never stand in her way when she felt it was the right time to pursue a new challenge. We were pleased that she will remain with the club for the remainder of the season to give us the time to identify a successor. There'll be plenty of time to celebrate Emma's many achievements at the club and to give her the farewell she deserves. But for now, as she has always been, Emma will be solely focused on making the season as successful as possible for Chelsea. So, Abdullah, as soon as I saw this statement, I was like, she's going to take the US job because when it said an opportunity outside of the WSL and club football, I was like, that's like the one job on the table. It's, you know, since been all but confirmed by a variety of journalists that even if the ink is not sort of dried on the contract necessarily, like that, that that's what's going to happen. Um, I guess taking a step back before maybe we talk a bit more about what this means for this season, obviously kind of part of what is so bonkers for all of this is that for many, many people, they, and yourself included, right, actually, they, like they don't have a concept of Chelsea women without Emma Hayes. Like Emma Hayes and Chelsea women are tied up together and I think that's part of why you know even though everyone knew Emma Hayes wasn't going to be at the club forever there's still this sense of like it's almost impossible to imagine because for many people like they have no experience of her not being on that sideline yeah and and I mean in some way you're semi-prepared that if you've been a Chelsea men's fan like like most of us are you're used to the rotating corridor of managers coming in on the men's side in the last 15 years, right? You've just had manager every couple of seasons and you're like, all right, fine. 
we're used to this, but on the women's side, it's been the complete opposite, right? Where you've had the stability, you've had the one face, the one consistent figure on the sidelines kind of forever. doesn't matter what players are there. And, you know, it goes to show that, you know, when you have a consistent presence on the sidelines in terms of a manager, even if they don't have a good season, you can see the consistency going through. And it's going to be tough. And you, you'd like to think that not, like if Emma Hayes is going, that, Chelsea do their utmost to learn from what they just done on their men's side and not repeat like a complete clear out of the staff and everything else and change everything. Because if anything, the importance of having as much familiarity, especially with the successful setup that we have now becomes important. And yeah, for someone like me who kind of came in five, six years ago, I've never seen Chelsea without Emma Hayes or, or anything like that. So this is going to be weird in the first case. And, it's it's a little bit scary. It's a little bit worrying because you don't know what Chelsea have, have... Have Chelsea women ever been in a position where they've had to change manager? Yeah, ages ago. But in an era now where they've become so successful and to kind of c- sustain that success, which Emma has done over the last four or five years, is incredible. Now, for somebody else to come and do that and just pick it up and go, all right, we're just going to continue as we go along. I mean, the rumors are also saying that they want to take Denise Reddy with her another big presence in that dressing room and the coaching and everything like, like our trusted number two, you know, and Tanya Oxtaby is already, already gone. You've had key pieces already leaving. So it becomes important now that whoever's left in this case, Paul Green has to be around. He has to ship, ship this, uh, you know, take this, take everybody through and kind of manage and see how, and I think, now, I think we, oh, the only question is, and, and, and probably I don't, we'll get into this in, in, in a minute, but like the succession planning for this entire process now becomes important because now do you do a Sir Alex Ferguson and get him involved to choose who the next one should be or do you not? I, I don't think that should be the case because we've seen what happened. But I think there should be some leeway into maybe some like, okay, what do you think? But I think the decision should lie with a Paul Green in this case with the owners and the, and the co-sporting directors if, they, if they're involved to decide, okay, how do we want to take this forward and who's the best fit, ignoring who Emma thinks. Because if she thinks, oh, one person, you get another David Moyes, Chelsea go down to possibly what the United route on the men's side is right now, and you're going back five years, right? So it becomes important. Uh, I know I've strayed away from your original question, but yes, it's going to be absolutely weird. But the, the next you know, few months of succession planning, I think, becomes hugely important. Yeah, and I think you've touched on something really important there, Abdullah, which is sort of understanding what Chelsea is without Emma Hayes is something that's very hard to do because she's been so integral to the club being built as it is. But there are people at the club who have been part of that as well. Okay, maybe someone like Denise Reddy goes uh, with Hayes. I feel like that that would make a lot of sense. But you, you mentioned Paul Green. And Ollie, I guess what's kind of interesting is we don't really know what sort of the division of things are behind the scenes you know I think um, it started maybe a year 18 months ago that Emma Hayes wasn't in signing pictures anymore Paul Green was in the signing pictures and that for me felt like a kind of notable shift that was something where I was like mm, this feels like someone who they're not necessarily expecting to be round for ages and ages because that's not normal really you don't normally have your sort of director of football as it were or general manager I think is his official title um taking the photos you you have your manager especially when your manager is Emma Hayes um but I guess that kind of stuff speaks to the fact that 
Chelsea is a lot of Emma Hayes, but it is other things as well. And that's what's going to be really different and interesting to see about this succession period. Yeah, absolutely. You know, friend of the pod, Paul Lagan, um, that you had a brilliant episode with uh, Jesse not too long ago. And if you've not watched it, go back and listen to that after you've listened to this one. Um, <laughs> you know, it, he was talking about how we learned lessons along the way, right? There was a lot of stumbling in the beginning and a lot of things that went wrong. And and we've, we've come up with this, um, you know, ways of working now that is supreme and it domestically, you know, there's no better way of doing what we're doing, right? And I think, yeah, it is really interesting to see that kind of division of labor as you touched on. It is a very kind of US model to to have the directors and, you know, the money men essentially uh, be in the signing pictures. And I think that does speak to the kind of club we are at the moment. But equally, you know, I was shaking my head when Abdullah was talking about the succession plan in terms of Sir Alex Ferguson. I do think Emma will be involved regardless. I don't think you, you'll be able to keep her out of talking about this kind of succession because at the end of the day, this is Emma Hayes' Chelsea. And, you know, we will divorce ourselves from it, but she is the legacy that we don't necessarily have to um, keep up with, but we have to build upon, right? Because she's brought us up to a level whereby we don't need to take so many rungs on the ladder to climb to be at the very, very top. We are essentially there already. And we need to make sure we stay there or climb higher in terms of Europe, right? So, yeah, as much like earlier, I think someone like a Casey Stoney, who is just kind of Chelsea through and through, has been here, you know, a couple of times uh, at youth level. And also um, she came back at senior level um, with Hayes um, and, and was there at the same time. So, yeah, I, I think we do kind of tap into that that kind of Farrell Williams style, you know, Chelsea through and through person in the initial stage. And I think I really rate what Casey Stoney did at United, obviously. And that's kind of my basis for all of this sort of stuff. But yeah, I think it is a really tough one. I don't think you want to, the same way with Sir Alex Ferguson, put someone in her shoes. It's more about building for a different type of vision. And I think maybe that's to do with the signings as well, right? We've seen a lot of future kind of proof signings you know Bernabe Fischel who ironically Emma will probably be managing at international level with Kat I think Mia Fischel is probably the happiest person about this of everyone actually oh, a thousand percent <laughs> oh, a thousand yeah. percent but yeah it's, it's really interesting um look I think what we'll see is Emma double down on the kind of winning mentality for the rest of the season and I think we're going to win everything wow well I yeah Abdullah, this is what I wanted to come on to next because I, I want to talk about what we think the impact on this season might be. The players were apparently told straight after the game. Part of me thought like when this news came out and before I think Tommy, Tom Gary was who reported that the players were told after the match was like, oh, you know, we had this like amazing performance against Villa. It was a bit of a like do it for Hayes thing. But no, that that was just us being good. Um, but, you know, there there is a big impact on, on this season. You know, you sometimes worry about sort of like sitting duck managers, as it were. I guess like one of the real notable examples was when it was announced that Serena Wiegmann was taking the England job and she wanted to stick with the Netherlands at the Olympics and it went to shit. Um, I don't think this is the same situation here, but this is something that 
is going to cause a lot of emotion. And that emotion can go one of two ways, right? These players are going to want to perform, but that comes with its own pressure. What what kind of impact do you think this announcement is going to have on, on the rest of Chelsea season? I think the fact that it was done now and, 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 and not later was, I think I'm still trying to wrap my head around it, but I think there'll be a little bit of shock in, 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 in training and everyone's kind of going to have to get their head around it. And I think, I think for some of the older players, it's going to hit a little bit harder than maybe some of the newer players who've been around because it's, you know, she's, you know, we've, we've talked about how uh, if Frank Kirby and players like that have, have held Emma as like this mother figure in kind of the squad and everything. And I think that to lose that and have that detachment, I think it's going to be hard for some of them mentally and, and psychologically. The good thing is, there's no real game in the next couple of days, so that focus can can be regained as the week goes along next week. Um, because see, if it was the week after, you got the Champions League starting on the 15th, so then you've got that shorter turnaround time, that becomes a big problem, right? So I think I think maybe maybe they looked at that with a big chunk of gains coming through next week. So I think that's one. I think as the season goes along, I think Emma will have probably given them a big speech, you know, kind of look focused, let's go. Uh, I'm not going to leave you high and dry. Let's let's get on on a high. You know, I needed to take this opportunity and go. And I think eventually, sooner rather than later, I think the players will understand it. They will come around to it. Um, and I think there'll be so many games and she'll keep them so busy and kind of forget about the news that they'll kind of forget. And I think it'll really hit once the season is over and she actually walks out that door. I think that's when it'll hit. Uh, and then at that point, you've got a summer to kind of get over and and kind of try and move on from that, which I think at, at that point is still fine. Um, so I, I think I think Emma's again, if we're talking about her man management, the things that she does best is is that, and she will get the players focused again. She will make sure that nobody drops in standards as we get into you know continuing the season next week and and, and we go from there. So I, I think. There will be a hit in the next couple of days, but I think she will really try and hold it, hold the fort, so to speak, uh, till the end of the season. And that's when everybody starts, you know, really starting to feel it and, and go kind of go from there. Yeah, Ollie, Champions League or bust, basically, at this point. One last <laughs> hurrah in Bilbao. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll see you there. I'm booking flights now. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to get our flights to leave for the last game of the season first. Yeah, no, very true. It's a very WSL way to end, I think. Yeah, and, it's and, like uh, it's like Magda. It's it it's like Magda, but like ten times, <laughs> like you know, we're, we're going back to the select car leasing stadium, but it's in Bilbao. Is basically what we're doing here. Um, and what a way to go out! I think this is yeah. I think we're all kind of dialed in in every game this season. I would be very surprised if any of these players let up because you know Abdullah touched on it. You know, a lot of these players see her as a mother figure. It's not just the older players, it's people like Lauren James. Like I think even Mia's talked about it and she's just got here, right? So that impact is there and you never want to let your parents down, right? So I think just like, that's the energy they're going to go with for the rest of the season. So yeah, can't wait to see what happens. All right, let's, I think, take a pause here. This is obviously news that we're all going to sort of digest and come to terms with a lot. We're going to have more things to think. We're going to hear more about it um, over the coming weeks, the coming months. And in some ways, I guess that's like a good thing. We've got sort of time to process it all together. But Chelsea did play a football match today. Probably the best football match they played this season. And, and I want us to talk about it. So we'll take a little break here and then we come back. We'll do what every Chelsea player has done on Instagram and pretend that none of this has happened. 
So, Chelsea headed to the Poundland Bescott Stadium. A Saturday, 12.30 kickoff after an international break. Villa yet to pick up a point. Would they wobble? No. There was no wobbling to be had. A 6-0 win for Chelsea over Villa, equaling their worst, Villa's worst loss ever in the WSL. Goals from Millie Bright, Frank Kirby, Johanna Rissing-Canarad, Ashley Lawrence, Aggie Beaver-Jones and Neve Charles. Um, a very delightful big scoreline where every different every goal scorer was different. Um, Abdullah, let's start as we always do with the lineup here. We had AKB in goal, Neve Charles, Jess Carter, Millie Bright, and Eve Perise, as we sort of predicted. Aaron Cuthbert and Shukanuskan made up the pivot with Frank Kirby just ahead of them. Jesse Fleming on the left, Johanna Rissing Canada on the right, and Mia Fischel up top. Initial thoughts, I think maybe a surprise not to see Sophie Ingle, um, but a certain unnamed person did suggest to me that maybe Sophie Ingle didn't play today because she would have equaled the WSL appearance record and that might have taken away sort of some of the shine from either that or the announcement that came later. But I think a, a, a pretty expected lineup. you know, no no Sam, players like Perisay who hadn't, who hadn't gone away and played that much starting. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that theory you just mentioned, I think makes sense because I think it's like, let's have one big engagement news at a time, right? Let's, uh, I mean, Millie with her 250th appearance was, was one that they couldn't avoid. So you, you're going to have to play her, but uh, you can save the Sophie Ingle. And I think, I think uh, for everything, I think Sophie deserves kind of the light, a little bit of that limelight on her own having that record, right? So I think next week when she does probably play, uh, giving her that that moment to shine and, and get the plotters, I think is 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 a big deal. So, uh, I think that's probably one of the reasons why. Otherwise, pretty standard lineup. I'm not really surprised at anything there. We we talked about Eve Paris starting, like you said. Um, good to see Canard getting uh, another start as well. This double pivot is probably the one that I wanted to start. This is the one that I think will be the first choice pairing going forward. So good, Aaron and and Circa look amazing together in that midfield. Like you can't get past them. And uh, good, and I was really excited to see Fran and 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 me official kind of playing together, uh, really from the start for the first time, and uh, yeah, otherwise you know we've got uh, Neve, Lucy, Bronze, Charles, you know, at left back now, left wing back. So I think that's uh, that that's that that just continues as it is. So yeah, I I really like the lineup, and uh, it's it's competition for places everywhere now. I mean, Kadish has been relegated to the bench, is like third, fourth choice centre backs. I mean, who would have thought that eighteen months ago? Yeah, I think, Ollie, the, the standout thing for me from the start with this game was was that midfield and how different it looked without Ingle. Um, I don't think you'll be surprised to anyone listening to this podcast that maybe I felt that Sophie Ingle isn't the best choice to have in our midfield. And I we talked before the game started that we felt like Villa's midfield did look lightweight and I think sort of having a lot of players who were really ready to sort of have, have the physical ability to, to, to press and harry. And I think you just saw that from the beginning, even though Villa sort of collapsed um, and things got easier, but from the beginning that we just, it just felt like we had a lot more impetus than maybe we've seen in those other games, particularly against teams like sort of Brighton and West Ham, who maybe we group in that Villa category right now. Yeah, I just loved how threatening the counter press was. And I, that's what I really associate with running Chelsea is just every goal feels so inevitable. Like it's it's almost like the, the commentators 
almost sighing as it goes in because it's like <laughs> they've, they're scoring again it's obviously going to happen but it we had the kind of uh, warning signs for Villa early on right um because they they always give it the first the, the kind of big 10-15 minutes under Carlo Ward this season which is why they usually score the first goal but not today um <laughs> but yeah um it was a brilliant moment kind of I think five minutes in or so where where Nuskin stole the ball in midfield with her telescopic legs and uh, slid in um, JRK, played it back to to uh, Superfran. She cut inside and smashed it off the bar. And I was like, okay, well, this is clearly the tactic today, right? It's all about counter press, win it back, quick break. And they are so open on the break. It was unbelievable. But yeah, um, <laughs> I think the, we'll come on to it. But the biggest thing for me today is so many of the players on the pitch did the thing. They did the thing we wanted them to do, especially JRK. With, she just kicked it past the back line and ran after it. And I'm like, no one's going to stop you. Just keep doing it. <laughs> do it every single time. And that's exactly what you want. we want you to do. Listen, when I saw the weather, the weather forecast, that it was going to rain all day. That's when I was like, this is time for JRK. That girl thrives. Off bad weather, I've I've got to say, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm finding this game quite hard to sort of break down. I think partly because of the Emma Hayes stuff makes it feel extra weird, but I think also partly because Villa just felt so crap. Um, like you know, the the away fans were singing "Are You Leicester in Disguise," but it was crazy. I think to be playing a team who have really, you know, been a real tough challenge for us, and sort of as Ollie says, they had they had this, you know, better sort of first fifteen minutes. But by the time Millie scored the opener, it was like you know they were really penned in, and Chelsea could have had three or four in that sort of ten fifteen minute period sort of from the the 20 20th minute onwards um obviously amazing for Millie to get a goal on her 250th Chelsea appearance um but yeah it's it's almost like hard to sort of break down what Chelsea did well just because I felt like they had the run of the pitch for so much of this game yeah I agree like every time I mean I had a couple of my friends who watch football but not women's football and they were like is, is what's what's wrong with Villa? Like they're just literally giving Chelsea the ball every time. There's just so much space, and I'm like, no, this is they're supposed to be a good team. Just been they've just been crap this season, but yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's like every time Neve Charles or JRK got the ball, there was just space, constant space. It's just going, and every time it was the same. And the funny thing was, it was the same move every time. Get the ball down the wing, cut it back. Get the ball down the wing, cut it back. They did it ten times. Villa couldn't stop it. All they had to rely on was like. Goal line clearances and having like five bodies in front of the goal. And still, Chelsea were able to score six every single time. I I actually felt for Van Domselaar. I'm like, at some, at some point there, it's like, there's not your fault. Like, the goals can go in, but your defense is so bad and non-existent that you can't do anything. And in those kinds of games, you can't actually tell whether Chelsea were good or not or there was any tactical there because it would have just been like, do we just run straight and then no one's going to do anything? Because anytime the ball got into midfield, Shuka and Aaron just, boom, done, win the ball back, you go forward. Fran would just get into the box, get into the middle, run around. Let Jesse Fleming looked like a prime chavy today, like pinging balls all over the place. Like this is this, like this was, this was like some of those performances were great, but, but what do you do when you have a Villa side who literally been 
the worst team in the league this season so far. I mean, you can't you can't actually say like Bristol have been bad, but they're worse. They're literally last. So uh, and by the way, for anybody that said this is just Leicester in disguise, I'll have you know Leicester are doing well this season. So please, let's not disrespect Leicester here. That's the only thing I want to say. We can move on. <laughs> Abdullah will die on this hill. Oh my god, Abdullah, maybe we should start campaigning for Willie Kirk to come in. That's actually not a name, a name I've not seen thrown Let's around. Do it. But... Let's do it. I'll be all in. I, you know what? I will campaign. We've got months and months of this, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Just naming managers. Imagine if this person took the job. Oh god, that's great. Um, you touched on Jessie Lowe there, Abdullah. And I, yeah. I, I want to talk about her, Ollie, because... I feel like we'd said after, I think, the Brighton game, you know, this feeling that when Fleming was coming onto the pitch, it was really making our attack much more fluid. And she came and she was sort of playing this left wing role, but it wasn't, it, it was much, it was a free role. And, you know, there was a lot of interchange with a lot of players. Neve Charles really had the run of that left-hand side because Alicia Lehman would rather die than track back ever um which again is just something that is bizarre to me why you were player player against Chelsea who's clearly it's not a surprise that that she's not going to do that um but this is a really interesting development I think for for Fleming within this team it just feels like there's there's a lot of fluidity there and I think it's a really interesting benefit of not having Guru Wrighton available I mean look you know we'd all prefer to have Guru Wrighton available I'm sure um as an option but being able to use Fleming in that way to get Charles in this sort of quasi wing back position, which is sort of helped out by, you know, the fact that she she doesn't have anyone really like trying to stop her. Um, it just felt like all of that did make Chelsea a lot more unpredictable in terms of who were was popping up in and around the area. The only caveat I will say is, oh my God, I have seen her miss two sitters in two Chelsea games. So that needs to be sorted out. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, that was literally going wide before Van Dossler saved it, just just in case you haven't seen the replay. Um, <laughs> it was really unfortunate, but yeah, she's coming off a brilliant week, right? Um, she came off of Canada, had a massive impact. She has essentially inspired them to the win against Brazil um, and obviously Ashley Lawrence with that. And wonderful assist then as well. Yeah, it's it kind of feels like she's in her bag now. It's she's getting these kind of open channels to run in. She's got people running past her. She's got options in front. Fran is obviously thriving alongside her, and she was in this kind of weird, fluid front three that we were discussing before the game. Right, we were saying obviously Mia is going to be up top, and then you watch her in the game. She's tracking back to left wing back, or she's <laughs> she's tracking back to right wing back because. There was so much energy in that front line just in the counter press, right? So that's wonderful to watch. I would love Jesse to be able to put the ball in the back of the net. That would be lovely. Um, <laughs> but she did pretty much everything right today apart from uh, that mad miss. But to touch on what Abdullah said as well, you know, that midfield switching play constantly, it wasn't just the fact that Alicia Lehman wasn't tracking back. It was the fact that, they had such a kind of lightweight midfield as well. And Nuskin, Cuthbert, Fleming just dominated. But I love the confidence of seeing the ball and just playing it, doing it, right? <laughs> Switching the ball, because we've not seen us do that enough this season. And it makes us so much more dynamic. And yeah, I'd love to see that going forward, even against 
teams who have maybe set up better, even though Carla Ward seemed to be prepped for Sam Kerr and she never came off the bench. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it felt very predictable that Sam wasn't going to see any minutes. So I'm very glad that she didn't. I'm glad we were in a position where we didn't need her to play. But something that's also, I think, interesting about this game, Abdullah, is sort of Frank Kirby's influence in all of this because she's also coming off a great international break, obviously, um, albeit not for England. Well, I, she was playing for England, but England didn't have a great one. Fran did. Um and I think, again, that's just like this midfield balance. I would be intrigued to see what it's like against another high-pressing team. I do think players like Cuthbert and Nuskin are players who will turn the ball over as well. But it just gives everyone this flexibility that you've got players like Cuthbert, Nuskin, Fleming, who are going to sort of do the counter-press. And then you've got someone like Kirby who will just sort of float wherever she needs to float. She can carry the ball. She can pass the ball. She can shoot. Um hilariously her goal was one of the worst shots she sort of had all day she took a number of better shots that should have turned into goals and and didn't for whatever reason um including that one that that came off the bar that that ollie mentioned um she's had a couple she's due one of those to go in because she had two of those against brighton i think as well but again i feel like this is just so testament to how lucky we are to have a squad as stacked as we are you know like we got kirby back she was able to sort of play 60 minutes today. I didn't even twig for quite a while that Lauren James hadn't even travelled with the team. I, we assume that's because she had this concussion that from that meant she left the England camp and they're just taking a precaution. But it just feels like we're in such a good place with the players that we have available that those things don't seem to matter in the way that I feel like last season they would have been devastating. Yeah, um, it's kind of testament against the squad depth that we have that Lauren didn't travel and it wasn't like everybody was like, oh no, we have no no Lauren James. You have like, and look what Abby, uh, Aggie Beaver-Jones did in, in her absence coming on, scoring a goal and, and kind of doing the the same thing. Um, I mean, Frank could be coming back, I think, with the form and the fact that she's been able to score these goals, uh, sorry, score the goal and, and, and the assists and everything, I think is, is a huge boost because I was... So I was telling somebody today, I was like, you know, the fact that Sam Kerr has been had an injury hit start to the season, Vanilla Heart is gone. The real big, um, you know, top match winner that we have is Frank Kirby after that. And now Frank Kirby's coming back from this injury. She needs to get she needs to get fit, you know, and, and, and be able to play a lot of minutes. And obviously managing her minutes is going to be important, but she's got to be the one that takes this team forward now for the rest of the season. And today was just the start of that. She came in and she looked like the focal point. She looked like the player that the team was built around. And she looked like the player that wanted to, to take Chelsea forward and really be the emphasis in, in the attack. I mean, and playing is like this, like number nine and a half, ten in between Fleming and and me official, I thought was 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 really, really good. Um, and having someone like Shukaniskin and, and Aaron Cuthbert behind it, it's just... I mean, for anyone playing in the forward line, it's a security. But when you, especially for Frank Kirby, like England did it with uh, Kira Walsh and Georgia Stanwyck. When you had two players who could move around and one wants to just sit and one wants one can move around and do the running for her, she's so creative in those in those in between the lines up and near the box that you just you give Frank Kirby even a little bit of space like that, she's unplayable. So I I was excited for that, and I think uh, you you talked about against other high high pressing sides and other sides that press. I think between Shuka and Aaron, I think this team should be able to manage most pressing sides and to help press teams a little bit further forward. 
I think once they get a better understanding of each other, I think we'll we'll be seeing them move like clockwork. And and again, um, it's it's good. And again, we didn't even have Melanie Leupold's in 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 the team today either, right? So that's another big player that we need to come back and 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 do it. Um, so yeah, and 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 shout out to uh, Kankovic. I thought she, I mean, she didn't she didn't have real impact, but her movement, she looks lively and energetic in that midfield, which I'm really really impressed by. Yeah, and I know Ollie, you were really impressed sort of by Mia's hold up play. It was kind of a quiet game for her in front of goal. Um, but I think that sort of actually speaks to how much Chelsea did want to rely on those on having lots of runners coming from those more sort of central midfield positions or having Charles or Canred cutting into the box. Um I think you could tell that she's still figuring out how to sort of impose herself on games in in a Chelsea shirt and that's that's understandable, you know, she's not played a lot of minutes. Um, but yeah, I know that you you were really enjoying what she was sort of doing in those more like quiet spaces in terms of how she was facilitating the team. Yeah, absolutely. I just think I just think she's such a weapon and she will be a really huge player for us just because she's so hard to deal with. Like even if even if she sometimes loses the ball in hold up or you know she she can't maybe last the 90 minutes in in the like much more physical WSL then the the moments when you see it click for her especially when you have like Sarah Mailing trying to take the shirt off her back at like multiple times because you just can't deal with her <laughs> coming in and like trying 50-50s and things and she only for some reason got one foul for that out like the six fouls that went against her but it's like when you have a player who needs to be fouled to be stopped, then I think you're on to something, right? And again, she was so unlucky with the brilliant header before um, before Millie's goal as well. And looking back retrospectively on Millie's goal, you do wonder like what played into her non-celebration there, but I'm sure we'll touch on that later. Um, <laughs> yeah, just Mia's header was brilliant. And then she wins the header back out from Rachel Daly's clearance right so she gets the assist as well and I think when you combine her hold up play her ability to counter press her ability kind of in the box that aerial threat I think we're really onto something um and just like shook stepping through midfield I can really get used to that just like bullying teams <laughs> because I think again that's what I kind of carry characterized with prime Chelsea women yeah and guys good thing to remember is that um me official will still be coached by Emma Hayes so we will still get some benefits of that along the line which you know that's important to bear and Kat Macario and Kat Macario when she returns yeah um it'll be definitely very interesting to see we'll get to see you know I mean I'm sure we will see a little bit of it we'll get to see what Emma Hayes envisaged with those two players I'm sure um okay let's take another break here and and we'll talk a little bit about the second half and some of the players who came on after this so Chelsea went in at half time 2-0 up there was definitely well, for, for me, I definitely felt like we should probably have scored three or four and fully put the game to bed. It still felt very comfortable. There were a couple of moments sort of early on in the, the second half where I suddenly did think, oh, you know, Kirsty Hansen was sort of running into the penalty area. And I was like, if Villa get one back here, it's going to be really annoying because it could make it nervy in a game which has just not been like that. But Villa tied pretty quickly. And that was mainly thanks to Johanna Ritten-Kanerid doing the thing, Ollie. Jessie, she did the thing. She did the thing. <laughs> she kicked it and ran. And this is what I, I just, I, like. I've been screaming it from the stands. I've been screaming it at the TV for however many months now. 
Like once she gets up to speed, you're not going to stop her. She's the fastest player in the league. It's so like in the Chelsea men's squad with Mikhailo Mudrik, right? You just want him to kick it past his marker and run because quite frankly, even though it's like school football tactics, it's so effective. And you you saw that today. You know, she broke onto a loose ball that again, Erin cut out in midfield and she just backed herself. And even when Fran was in the middle and you could you could tell Fran was screaming at her saying, don't you miss this? Because if you do, I will I will not be very happy. She absolutely buried it with a plum. And it I was, was a great finish. That was, was not the finish game. of a player who never scores goals. I was like, absolutely. what the fuck? Where's this come from? <laughs> More of it, please. It came from the rain, guys. It came from the rain. We should leave the sprinklers on, right? Or maybe, <laughs> maybe someone got those contacts that I was talking about last week to, so that every uh, uh, Aston Villa player looks like they've got Brighton kits on. Maybe, yeah. That is that is a key a key one. Um, so, Abdullah, I guess after that sort of third goal, it felt very much home and dry. And then this became sort of the Chelsea substitutes party, which is always sort of funny to see um, when, when players came on. So, Agabiba Jones and Ashley Lawrence were sort of the first entrance to the pitch. And this, uh, we need to talk about this because this may be the only... Interesting, really interesting tactical thing Chelsea did in this game. Ashley Lawrence did not come on as a fullback. Ashley Lawrence came on, sort of on the in this sort of Jesse Fleming inverted left winger role because Emma Hayes is addicted to putting players in different positions. But I mean, it it was a Villa team who were already three 0 down. But I think this is interesting for a number of reasons. I feel like it's very confidence boosting for Neve Charles this idea that like you're here to play left back you're not the one we're shunting around the pitch anymore you're going to play that role but also you know we know that Lawrence has played in those kind of areas has that attacking ability obviously it's not what she did at Paris Saint-Germain it's not what she normally does at Canada although she has sort of done variations on this kind of role but it's a very interesting different option, especially, again, if we are potentially not going to be without Guru Wrighton for a while. Yeah, and I think finding different unpredictable ways of playing this left-wing position with no Guru for a little while, I think, becomes very, very important. And yeah, it was it was weird to see. I, I When Ashley came on, I thought, all right, cool, Neve probably going to move up or across the other side. Something will happen. Then I suddenly see, I left for five minutes, I come back, I see... Ashley Lawrence just scored a goal. Wait a second, what is she doing over there? Then I saw like the replay. I'm like, wait a second, she's playing left wing or left midfield. What's go? What's going on? And I was like, damn. Okay, respect Neve Charles. I mean, if you've now cemented yourself as the first choice left back, and you've basically made Emma Hayes tell Ashley Lawrence, I know you're the experienced player here, but I can't move her. Like she's too good right now, right? And 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 you just literally know no nothing that Ashley can say right now that goes and says. No, I should be playing at left back. No, not really. You've got you're practically your most consistent player, you know, killing it at left back. And I, you're right. I think huge confidence boost for Neve. Um, you know, she's she, I think she's riding on a high right now, which is which is fantastic to see. And it was good to see Ashley Lawrence in a different position. I thought it looked a little bit weird at first. It looked exactly it was a little bit uncomfortable. The goal was a bit lucky. It hit like her thigh. It kind of just looped into the into the net, which was I think fine. But I think her movement was good at times and it's a good defensive option to have. Like if you want to have a, a, a defensive left-hand side against specific wingers, like say you're playing Barcelona or something, right? On a Bache, you know, and Graham Hansen on one side, for example, 
you play Ashley Lawrence and Neve Charles, right? You can you can really lock that side down in two v two battles there. So uh, it is it is interesting, and not just for for now with Guru injured for the Champions League and and stuff going forward. So yeah, I thought I thought it was uh, I thought it was uh, super interesting. Yeah, especially you know in a situation where one can go, one can sit, and the opposition isn't necessarily going to predict who does that. I definitely think that's going to be something that's really interesting to keep an eye on. I think you're you're totally right, Abdullah, to sort of point out the the defensive possibilities that come from that. It's kind of funny when a team's winning 3-0 at Villa and you're like, ha, Ashley Lawrence is like playing there, but she's playing there for a reason, right? These are things that are obviously like being worked on and, and want to be built on. Um, Ollie, the other person who came on was Aggieb Jones and I have some fantastic news. If anyone was feeling sad about the Emma Hayes news, this will cheer you up. It, it'll make you forget about it because there it was in the away end. Aggie Beaver-Jones scored a goal. Great goal. We'd love to see it. The chant came up. Aggie, Aggie, Aggie. Oi, oi, oi. But there I was, ready to force Beaver-Jones over the top of it. As loud as I could. Until, until everybody joined me in Aggie, 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 Beaver-Jones. <laughs> and I ask all of you, who can be concerned about the future of Chelsea when we have a chance like this for a player who may or may not make it at the club in the future. Unclear right now, but Ollie, Aggie Beaver-Jones, take it away. I mean, truly halcyon days, if we're honest <laughs> with ourselves. Like, forget about the rest of the match review. Like, we could just end it right there. I think we've uh, we've conquered football. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do love that that happened. Um <laughs> What I should say is, similar, similarly to Ashley Lawrence, what I really loved was the kind of intensity that Aggie brought when she came on. You know, we love that we love that she loves to play for Chelsea and she clearly loves wearing the shirt, but every single injury is an opportunity, right? And Sam wasn't going to play today and Mia wasn't going to last 90 minutes. And she came on the pitch and she had one goal and that was to score a goal. <laughs> and absolutely, when Yelena played her through, you're thinking just just again just kick and run no one's stopping you here you are one of our fastest players you are going to burst into that box and she 100% backed herself and I love that and the finish finish was unerring like absolutely swiped into the far corner Daphne Van Nopsler had absolutely no chance whatsoever we love to see it um but yeah I just love the fact that she is making herself an option and Emma doesn't give pity minutes. We talked about this so many, so many times, right? She's either working on something. In, in Ashley Lawrence's case, I think she wants seven defenders on the pitch at one time and she's going to sneak <laughs> them on one by one. Uh, <laughs> but that was a lovely goal. I thought it was brilliant uh, uh, improvisation, actually, with a thigh. But yeah, with, with Aggie, I just think she's making herself a serious option. She's scoring. She's scoring goals. She's showing intensity. She's got like efficient performances in the minutes she's getting. She's get, she's giving us serious impact and we love to see it. Yeah, I mean, there can't be many, if any, players with a better goals per, per 90 ratio at the moment to have. So she scored two goals and before this game, she played 25 minutes in the league. So now she'll be on 52 goals in 55 minutes. Um, Yeah, honestly, she's performed far beyond my expectations for what her season would be like obviously coming on to play as the nine in this game even though we've seen a previously sort of play off the left again emphasizing her versatility I think something that we know Hayes loves and we're maybe 
about to see the real fruits of that being part of the academy program and that's something that we know on the men's side has been a massive priority for a really long time everyone who comes through Cobham on the men's side can play absolutely everywhere if they need to and I think Aggie of Jones is a fantastic example of someone who's obviously going to be able to do that for us um I'm honestly I'd like I really need to give her flowers because she's not someone who I necessarily thought was going to have a big impact this season and I know she's you know come on in games that have sort of been maybe like well, this this is the first Rokesa coming on in a game which has been won. The other game she's come on in games where they've still sort of been in the balance, even if Chelsea have been in the ascendancy. And I think in all of them, even though she didn't obviously score in that West Ham one, she had a fantastic shot there. She's she's just looked like such a great super sub to have. And I'm really, really excited to see her getting the minutes and making the most of them because it, it's super, super exciting. Um Neve Charles obviously then ended up with the sixth goal, really boosting her in goal involvements tally. But Abdullah, just but sort of as we finish off, I, I want to touch on, on Chelsea as an attacking team as a whole this season because this is obviously, I think, the best attacking performance we've we've seen so far. 27 shots, 14 on target. Expected goals of 4.53. We finally outperformed our XG this season. We love to see it. 58 touches in the Villa box. And I think... It's felt like a while, and maybe I didn't realise this until watching this version of Chelsea, but it's felt like a while since we saw a really free-flowing, attacking Chelsea team. And it's really exciting. Yeah, it is. And, you know, XG has always been an, an issue in the sense that we can create a lot of chances, but can we finish it? To be fair, even in this game, in the first half, I'm surprised we weren't 5-0 up with the amount of chances we could that have we had. Yeah, it literally could have been 10 nil and like overall 10 nil, and it could have been like four or five in the first 45. I mean, how we only went in with one or two goals, I don't understand. Like saves and goal line clearances, and just it was crazy. Um, you know, but it was great. I mean, this is this is the sort of football that Chelsea were built to play. This is the sort of football that sort of team that Emma Hayes wanted to get out of it. Obviously, you're not gonna get this every week, and I don't think any other team is going to give you this this much space. And I mean, I, I, I actually think this was the easiest 6-0 that we've played, whereas we've had 6-7-0 scorelines in the last couple of seasons, but I felt like this just felt easier than the rest of them because I felt like the rest of them, up until 3-4-0, teams were still trying to stop Chelsea and, you know, stopping them. It was a really amazing play to overcome that. And this one, I felt like, you know, Villa started okay 20 minutes but then they just fell apart and then the the, the defense was non-existent like mass was probably their best defender and she, you know she was putting in the effort everybody else was just like non-existent it's like they put in a tackle someone drives past and then it's like well, where, where's the rest of it van domstar again i don't blame her too much at, at one point what are you gonna do um, but no, but I'm excited with this, with the way they've played. And if we can take this into next weekend and then obviously against Real Madrid in, in, in about 10 days time, I'm, I'm excited to see where this goes. Yeah. It's a really exciting position to be in. Um, Oli, obviously when most people listen to this, they will probably know the result of Arsenal Man City. That's the big game tomorrow. We've got the sort of enjoyment of having got this really good win and we get to see that play out emma hayes is the enjoyment of overshadowing what was supposed to be the big game of the weekend um but to come back from an international break get a win as comprehensive as this where do you see chelsea sort of building on here in this next block of games that runs across november until the next international break yeah i think 
given what we know now, I think Emma may prioritize Champions League for the kind of A team, if you like. But I think the kind of joy that we're going to see in the next month is we don't know really know what the A team is, right? I think we kind of know our midfield, but there are loads of shouts for starters like across the board now. And I think we usually associate that with run-in Chelsea, with kind of late season Chelsea when we're we're really against the coalface. But right now we're seeing some really great early signs. And I think the patterns of play, especially uh, with Ev and JRK down the right-hand side and also Neve and Jesse on the left-hand side, were really lovely to watch. And Abdullah touched on it earlier in terms of the pivot. This is my favourite pivot. I think this is the pivot we, we build on. Um, and I can really you know, get used to Shook cutting the ball out and driving through three players and just being completely unstoppable. Like, <laughs> sign me up for the next however many years of Chelsea women to, uh, to watch that. And the beauty of it is we have this kind of toolkit coming off the bench as well, right? So we have an Aggie Beaver-Jones who can run in behind with that searing pace. We have a Yelena Chankovic who can unlock a, a defence with her passing from deep. There's so much to like about this squad. And... Maybe it is the kind of cruelest of ironies that we are going to see the kind of visage or in, envisaged um, Chelsea women that Emma wanted to build from the start right at the end. But you know what? If it is, sign me up. Yeah, and it's a terrific prospect for any... I mean, part of me feels like at this point, this version of Chelsea feels like sort of an Emma Hayes parting gift because I think we've seen a lot of players brought in, especially some of those younger players who are really ready to go and play for, for a number of years and to be really set up and be part of Chelsea. I know people will have sort of concerns about the pull of the club without Hayes there and, and that kind of stuff. But one, I think it's going to be a fan, the pull of the, the players and the squad for any manager in the world right now. I don't, I don't think there's a better squad in the world, genuinely. Um, you know, people can debate what it about what it then looks like on the pitch, but if you were to write those twenty five names down, there's not another group of players I'd take over this one just in terms of sheer depth, um, and also, you know, at the same time, like yeah, Hayes is a pull, but like Chelsea's a pull because of Hayes, but like that doesn't change overnight. Like we're still an incredibly successful team, and people will still want to play for us. As a result, I think. It's amazing to, I mean, I, touch wood, this doesn't help, happen to Chelsea, but like lots of other teams are a massive clusterfuck. Um, so I wouldn't be so sure about how tempting they seem to everyone else. Um, okay, that will wrap us up for today on this slightly strange episode. Abdullah, Oli, thank you so much. This is not what we expected to be talking about going into this day at all i'm only glad that imagine if the news had come out whilst we were recording so we've oh. got, again it's a bit like the aggie beaver jones trump you've got to take the small pleasures in life right now guys um, we will be back with you uh in the midweek um what chelsea have got coming up they've got everton away next sunday and then real madrid away hosting liverpool at the bridge on the 18th of november do get your tickets and come down to that if you are able Paris also at the bridge on the 23rd and then Leicester at Kings Meadow on the 26th. Um, yeah, I think this, this all of these games now feel extra weighty in a way. I'm sure that will wear off, you know, sort of as we become more familiar with it. Obviously, we will be here talking you through it all. Um, but until then, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.